And hello, movie lovers. And tonight, I'm going to be reviewing Scream 2. And I have my good friend Taco with me talking about this. This is actually one of my favorite movies out of the Scream franchise. And let's go on ahead. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on, Taco? Hi, John. Not much, man. Just I'm really excited to talk about Scream with you. I, I just randomly watched the first one last week because it popped up on all the streaming sites because it's right. getting ready for the new one so it's like oh i'm gonna watch the first one and i had no intentions of going past that and then you were like hey i'm talking about scream 2 you want to come talk about? and i was like oh then i'll watch scream 2 so i watched it this morning <laughs> to get ready i'm like i i love this universe and i i want to talk about it it's great i do too i definitely love this universe i definitely love the first one of course and of course, this is also one of my favorite ones. This is actually the most iconic one for me that I like because I remember going to the theaters to see this one with my mom. Yeah. And she took me to go see this. And of course, I'm just going to talk about this real quick. This actually came out a year later. And again, in December of 19, and this, of course, comes out on December 12th of 1997. And then is also opened up with, it also had a budget of 24 million and made $172.4 million at the box office. So it definitely has that draw. Oh yeah, uh, they struck when the iron was hot too. They uh, they were writing it right after the first one came out, and they went in development like two months later, or not even. And this came out what you, it was like a year after the first one. Like yeah. they went, they knew the hit that they had, and that's why they decided to go ahead and, of course, open up with the very first uh, do it right after Scream. So it actually makes mm -hmm. sense for them to go ahead and do. A sequel right after that especially after the first one made bank so yeah it definitely does make sense no now not only did it make bank but it literally the first scream it, it cannot be understated how important it is to the mm -hmm. horror just horror in general because it really did make this new it revamped the slasher genre at these this late 90s 2000s like it was like the 80s all over again like we we had slasher movies again and it was dead. Go back to look at the 90s uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets or the 90s Friday the 13th. They're not good. And no. Scream, after Scream, you know, then you had, uh, I know what you did last summer coming up, then like all these other like 90s teen movie slashers that were like teen slashers. And it was all thanks to Scream. And Kevin uh, Kevin Richards, um, the guy who penned it, and then I'm going to get his name wrong. But then, of course, Wes Craven directing it. He directed one through four until he passed. Five was the first one he did. So, yeah. Right. And I just want to say hi to Sleevy G Show. He's going to be on my show tomorrow night discussing The Last of Us. It's oh, good nice. to have you on here, Gomez. It's good to have you. Uh, so, anyways, what I liked about this was the opening of this movie, where it actually opens up to another slasher scene, just like how we got in the very first one with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. But this time, you have like a very meta kind of thing happening. Yep. And I like how it's like geared towards us, like as moviegoers going to see this horror movie, just as they're going to see a, movie, a horror movie with Omar Absent, Jada Pickett Smith, of course, going yeah. to see Stab. And you have all these people dressed up in the Stab outfits as Ghostface. And that's <laughs> horrifying because you don't know who the killer actually Could is. Could you imagine going to a, a horror movie when everyone's going ape shit? Like, like <laughs> There's like a kegger in the theater. I know it's like a premiere and it's like a big thing. And they're giving out stuff. And I've gone to like movie premieres or opening nights where they like give you stuff. But I've never been in where everyone's like, Whoa! Just like, oh my God, I, that was like my people. Like I would be, I would be just right in. My mask would be on. I'd have the, the knife. Um, I, so I like a lot about it. The setup tells us what the movie's going to be immediately. And the first movie was meta commentary on slashers. It's the first time we had slasher victims. We have seen slasher movies, right? So the first one, of course, you have Randy Meeks. He's on this one too. But, you know, going, everybody's a suspect and he gives the rules. We know right away that this is going to be a play on sequels immediately. Like, and that's how it feels of now. We're looking at a whole other meta thing and they can talk about how Stab is a movie what if Stab had a sequel and the Scream sequel? Like, it starts off right away like that. And, yeah, I I, I love this opening because I Jada Pinkett-Smith gives this, this amazing, like, 
doesn't want to be there, hates everybody performance, just a bunch of dumb white people doing dumb white stuff getting yeah. cut up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what it is. And then whenever she the girls over there undressing dressing now what's the point of this? What's the what's the plot for this now? Tell me why. Why why is she getting naked? Shut up. <laughs> But it's like us as an audience member when somebody else is actually saying that and we're telling that person in the back row to be quiet. We're trying to watch this movie. So mm-hmm. that's something that I really liked about it. And then, of course, Omar Epps goes on ahead, goes to the bathroom. Then next thing you know it, he, uh, he hears uh, some whispering in the stall. And then yeah. he winds up getting uh, his ear stabbed through the uh, bathroom stall. Yeah, through the partition. So <laughs> I have to say... That is my least favorite kill in the entire Scream franchise. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. Scream is pretty, especially the first one, is pretty grounded, right? It is essentially a guy who's losing his mind and is messing with his girlfriend and killing his girlfriend's wife. Like, all of it could have happened. The first one could have happened. There, maybe the garage door lifting up uh, Rose McGowan was a little goofy in the first one, but. Seeing your victim through a partition and somehow stabbing through that, take a hunter's knife into a bathroom and stab through a stall. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can do it. Like, there's no oh, way I you're even, doing that. I even mentioned that in my tr- movie trivia part, uh, that I did for the 25th anniversary for Scream 2. I said, out of everything in this movie, I did not like that scene, it just didn't make sense for me. It's, I get what they were going for, but that part did not work. I, I like everything else about it. I like Omar Epps dying there and him taking his mask. Mm-hmm. Like I, It doesn't take anything away, but I just wish he died. Why couldn't he, like, I don't know, lure him into the stall? Maybe it's like, hey, or something. Like, there's a different way that he could do that and kill him in the bathroom instead of, like, this blind stab through an unstabbable object with a blade this long that somehow becomes this long. Like, there's... I don't want to There's stick no on way. it for too long, but it is a no. very goofy. It's it's one of my least favorite parts of the entire franchise. Right. Another and moment in this movie is my other least favorite part, but this is one of them. The entire <laughs> franchise. Well, the uh, I'm just gonna stay say this one last thing, and then we'll move on to the Jada Pickett Smith kill. Yeah. Um, but the here's the thing that they could have done: wait until the two goofballs that are using the bathroom yeah. to leave. And then when he hears the whispering, Omar gets out of the stall and then go ahead. Yeah. And lure him into that stall. That's your way of killing him. Because here's the thing. You kick, kick the stall door open, bust his nose open, then stab him. Do it that way if you wanted to. But, yeah, it's a little too cartoony in, in a sense when it comes down to that kill. But mm-hmm. it doesn't do out of the movie or anything like that because now it's setting up for the next kill, which, of course... He winds up putting on the jacket that Omar Epps had. Goes over to Jada, Jada Pickett Smith. Jada's over there, scared of this one part, which is the Drew Barrymore character. She's getting stabbed, and then that's when she realizes when she has her head on the, on his shoulder. Wait, there's something off because mm-hmm. there's blood on you. So what's going on? And then of course that's when he goes on ahead and stabs her. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, her scream is probably the best part, and I like how. No one knows what's going on. Right, because no one's really knowing what's going on or anything like that because yeah. of the... Right. And the killing right in front of everybody is terrifying. Like, you think that you're in a public area, you know, all that. But that, like, blood curdle, she gets up on, like, in front of the screen and that, like, ah! Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God! That's some real screen queen stuff there. And, uh, of course, you know, she, she must have went up on stage uninvited because somebody had their name in her mouth. Uh. <laughs> okay, I don't need Will Smith to come out here and tell me to keep his <laughs> name out of his mouth. Yeah, you kept saying <laughs> her name. I was like, her character's name's Marine. Just say it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Be but, careful, yeah, man. I, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I always thought that the that part where she actually dies after she gets stabbed over and over again. I thought she was like kind of overacting. <laughs> no, no, definitely. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't going. I right. love it, but it's not realistic. But yeah, I no. love the scream. But that is a little. Ah! Yeah, it is a little overacting. Yeah, she deals down, and then she does like that rock star thing with her back, and yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was waiting for Mick Jagger to come out and saying uh, Angie or something. Whenever I saw that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's like her second movie after doing Juice. Like, you know, she's right. not... <laughs> she's but, not the uh, best, but she feels yeah, the... It's a good job. It's a good job. Right. Good Scream Queen moment. And then... Yeah, then we get right into... Uh, I'm going to tell you that... No, no, I got this. It flips right to the phone and Sydney picking it up, getting yep. prank called. I told you, I watched it this morning. Me too. And then he's like, so. do you know who I am? And she's like, is it Fred Fredsards? And he's like, oh, damn it. Yeah, what's up, <laughs> yo? Call her ID. <laughs> and that's like the old school caller IDs that they that we used to have. We had one of those. The white, like... <laughs> Weird shaped one. Yeah, I had one of those. This Me too. Great. My mom had one of those back in the day. But oh my God. the art of prank of course, calling is just dead now. That that bothers me. I miss prank calling. Our kids will never be able to call somebody from the phone book with a dumb name and make fun of them. Ever like that's that that art's gone. Because yellow pages are gone and so is caller IDs. Mm-hmm. All, what are you gonna all you can do is just Google and even you with can. Google, no. It you can't mean. order a pizza to somebody else's house and then not know it was you who did it. That's gone. Yeah. Right. Well, they'll know it was you now. Ooh. All right. Anyways, <laughs> that is not that you do with anything. So she gets a prank phone call. And now she's in college. Right. And then, of course, this is also where we wind up seeing the film school class. Yeah. And I love this. That, that this is actually my favorite thing is seeing the film school class because they're they're talking about violence on film, which is very reminiscent today. Today, mm-hmm. but we also had this conversation even back in the '90s whenever we actually had Columbine and stuff like that, where it's like where they were blaming the music for mm-hmm. the murders and stuff like that. So, and then also too is does movies actually emulate violence? And they're having that conversation. I definitely love that. And then you have this one girl that I actually agree with in the class. She's like, no, movies don't emulate violence, doesn't do anything with us. It's just part of entertainment and stuff like that. And it's all, it's basically on the person that winds up being the one that's messed up. The, in the, first the 90s went through all mediums. It started with Mortal Kombat. And then, like that, we had to, uh, everyone got in trouble for playing that. And then that's when game ratings happened because it was causing violence. And then Beavis and Butthead was causing violence. And then, yeah, Marilyn Manson somehow <laughs> caused Combine. What, you know, and yeah. So I, the first half of the conversation, which is that half, the the movie to the life imitating art half of that conversation, I really like the, all sequels thing that's just them being meta and i hate the examples they put out because mickey waits until like two scenes later to bring up empire because empire strikes back is a superior movie and i don't care and randy goes oh it's part of a trilogy doesn't count no yeah it does it does in my opinion it does that's my that's my favorite star wars movie right you know and then of course my other favorite Randy moment is when he goes, oh, yeah, and what are you going to do? Write your own movie? He goes, yeah, but this time the nerd gets the girl. <laughs> yeah. But if you uh, think about it, we'll get into whenever Randy gets killed because there's actually a moment where I'm like, you gave yourself away on who the killer is. And because of, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Mickey does? Mickey gives himself away? Gives it away? Yeah. Yeah, because, okay. There's this one scene where he goes, oh, yeah, you think you're going to get the girl? Well, you, guess what? Nerds don't ever get the girl. And mm. so I'm like, oh, you just told off on yourself, buddy. See, I thought that they don't give any real foreshadowing towards Mickey because they really push it towards it being cotton. And, it and they also cotton. lean more towards the boyfriend, too, though. Yeah, They're but right. that's like I don't I don't buy that one. Like, that's like one of those like that. That right. red herring's a little too red. You know, <laughs> Cotton, I'm like, I don't know. That red herring's just right. Because Billy is a red herring in number one and is the killer. And that's what I like so much about the reveal of Billy. Because they push it on Billy and it's like, oh, they're making it too obvious. You know, they the first suspect can't be the killer. Oh, so maybe it's somebody else. No, it was the first suspect. We made you look at Billy so you don't look at Billy again. You know, I thought that was cool in the first one. So in this one... I assumed that's what they were doing uh, with Cotton. I thought they were like, oh, they're making it too obvious. I'm like, but it's a little too obvious. I think he's going to be the killer. But he isn't. But yeah. But let's see. Then, of course, you also have a bunch of other characters coming back from Wisboro in this movie, though, too. You actually have Dewey. You have Gale. 
And I like how Gail now has a new book that she's releasing, yep. of course, about I, the murders. And her, yeah, her introduction is classy. Like she just blows in like a hurricane. Like she just and then and then she's like on her phone or hits her going, and she's like, "Here I am," and I'm like, "Oh, Gail, here she comes." That is uh, everybody. That is um, uh, Ace Ventura's very own Courtney Cox. <laughs> there she is. And uh, that's something that I really liked about this part, though, too. It's very reminiscent of the first one. But then you also have a new cameraman in this <laughs> movie, though, too. And he's very hesitant to even work with her. Now, it, can I can I bring up a fun fact I learned? Uh, it kind of yeah. gives away his ending, if that's okay, right? So, yeah, that's fine. Um, he was supposed to die in the original script. And he pitches to Wes. He's like, I have an idea of how my character goes out. Wes is like, I would love to hear this. He's like... In a cab. Like, what? He's like, no, I just go, nope. And I just leave. And he was supposed to die. And then Wes is like, I like it. <laughs> like, yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, because the whole time he's complaining, like, I'm going to die. I'm going to. And then he doesn't die because he just Fs out. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, I, thought was I, thought be, I thought that was a perfect way for him to go out, though. Because yeah. he's always saying, you know, brothers don't ever survive in a horror movie. So yeah. it's actually the perfect way of, oh, yeah, well, guess what? You leave, you die. And also, because her last cameraman got killed. Like, I would leave, too. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. And then I also like the part where Sydney winds up hit, slapping her again. Again, yep. So that was also another thing I really liked. And, of course, her friend winds up turning around and goes, did you get that? And then I like how the cameraman just goes, did you get that? Yeah. Did you get that? Uh, I, I I've been watching a lot of behind the scenes on this movie. And I... So apparently she ad-libbed that and got mad because the cameraman ad-libbed it back. And she's like, that actress is like, wait, you stole my thing. Like, I I came up with doing that. And then he, like, took it from her. And I, just, I thought that was funny of just, of, yeah, she comes up with this, like, you get that on film? And he, did it happen, And then you got Dewey. And I love this, the, now, I love the theme song that they have for Dewey. Crazy eyes like, in that whole right? scene. Right? I keep going <laughs> But, dude, I love the theme song that they have for Dewey because it has yeah. this country western kind of vibe where he's there to save everybody once yeah. again. And here comes Deputy Dewey. Just stumbling <laughs> in. Big eyes. I'm here to save everyone. <laughs> yeah, Dewey? <laughs> really? You're going to save were, me? It worked so well last time. <laughs> I He does this insane thing with his face when he's talking to Gail and she's like hey I missed you and he's like page 43 <laughs> Deputy Dewey oozed with inexperience yes. and it's like buddy <laughs> like looks like freaking David Arquette's ready to just slap her <laughs> he, looks so he must crazy. have been mad at her that day yeah, before, yeah. while driving I, to the set I think they just got either they just got married or they just started dating at the beginning of this movie um, because they, because it was only a year after they met, they met on the set of the first one. So right. I know that they were together at that point, and I totally—they're a couple that I buy completely. Um, and it, it goes from the first one because her demeanor is so different around him, and I really do f like believe her, like kind of infatuation with him, and like kind of that, like, oh, you're so adorably goofy. I like you, and I. I I love their chemistry, especially even though he's all freaking crazy eyed. I love their chemistry in this movie. I do too. And I think also to the reason why he's also kind of crazy eyed is because of the fact that he's in pain because of him getting stabbed in the back. And yeah. so I actually like how they mentioned that in the film though, too, because Randy goes, what are you, what's wrong with you? You got stabbed in the back. <laughs> and he goes, it's called a sciatic nerve. You ass yeah he got he got <laughs> stabbed in the freaking spine like that mess you up he's lucky that he only has a limb right yeah randy can only talk crap for so long <laughs> he's his time's numbered <laughs> definitely but, yeah uh so does it go right to the sorority party after this yeah we can or, go to the sorority party okay i i mean unless you get unless there's something else i'm i'm you're the one with the synopsis either in your head or in front of you. So I was trying, I'm no. trying to guess the next scene now is what I'm trying to, it's a little well, game. We can go straight into that though, too, because 
that evening, though, too, Sydney does wind up attend the sorority house party. Yeah. And, another and then also, too, this is also where another sorority sister is actually just sitting down, flipping through the tube, trying to find something to watch. She's so bored. she's back at her house because they're out all there. So they're doing a mixer at one sorority house. And then she's the only sober one at that house. And that is Sir Michelle Geller. Brand new. Hasn't done Buffy yet. And I think I know what you did last summer came out like like a couple months before. Like these came out the same year. Right. Which is crazy to me. Because um, she even looks like, like, you know, she's not all working out for Buffy yet. She looks so tiny. Just regular, she <laughs> yeah. looks like just a regular girl next door type. In yeah. This. And in I love, I love Sermon. I had the biggest crush on Sermon Sol Geller growing up. So, like, I, I feel bad whenever, whenever she gets killed in this one. <laughs> I do too. And, you know, I'm actually guessing about which one is actually, which one's doing the killing and which one's doing the calling. This is definitely Mickey. I, I, I think Mickey is at the party. So maybe this one isn't Mickey, actually, now that I'm thinking. Because Mickey is at the other party. We see him talk to Randy. But I just thought that the sorority scene alone was really cool to actually see when you have two different sorority uh, parties, go one going on, the other sorority sisters actually sitting there. But what is your other thing that you wanted to mention? Uh, so the um, Zach Cherry is another YouTuber, and he actually does a bunch of videos where he breaks down which screen killer is doing the killing in which scene. And he thinks that Almost all of this is Mickey in that pretty much Mrs. Loomis is is just a mastermind and phone caller. Like, and the mm -hmm. only one that she's actually does is later on when it's it's Gail and and Deputy Dewey. She thinks that's the only time it's actually Mrs. Loomis. So Mickey does all the heavy lifting. Okay. And I wanna I wanna state because I I I I can see that it's an actual issue. We're having a storm where I'm at right now, so that's why my internet keeps prepping out. So John's okay. doing John's doing a really good job <laughs> keeping it together for us. But. Hey, it's not a problem, man. It's not a problem at all. You can't if, control the weather. It blacks out. I'm like, oh no, is he waiting for me? And I come back, and you're still finishing the thought that you had. I'm like, he's a professional. He's got this. Sir. <laughs> it's not my first rodeo, sir. It's not my first. But right, you know, a fun fact though about the sorority house, it's actually the same house that they used in Hocus Pocus. I didn't know that. All right. Wow. Yep. That's cool. Remember when Danny meets uh, with Emily? Yeah. Well, that's, yep. that's actually the same house. If you actually look at the clock on the state on the uh, where the staircase is, that's actually wow. the same house. I had never caught that. Uh, yeah. All right. So so he gives a call. It's I, I love it because another girl comes in when he's already like, I'm going to murder <laughs> you, Cece. And this other girl comes in like, what's up? He's like, prank phone call and he's sitting there like i'm cutting you up lady like, <laughs> like she could have got saved so easily she's like well this person right. keeps saying he wants to stab me but she doesn't say that she says prank phone call and right. then it's like yeah and then she goes it. back inside the house when she could have just went on ahead and yeah. leave. i would say i'm gonna go to the party i'm gonna stay sober but i'm gonna go to the party like i would get out of there uh i'm i don't know maybe because i watched horror movies growing up but if i got a if I got anything and I'm home alone and anything creeps me out, all doors are getting locked. I'm calling somebody to make sure that I'm home. Like, like tell them what's up. Like, I'm way too scaredy compared to her. But, but yeah, and then of course, you know, he, she Ghostface winds up pushing her out, the, stabbing her, and then she falls out the window, and she winds up dying. And then you actually have the sorority house and the party that finds out, hey. She fell out the window. Next thing you know, it it has that reminiscing of the very first one where it's like, oh, there's a dead body out on the football field. Let's yeah. go take a look at it. So yeah. now they're basically doing the same thing except for us at a sorority house, and then they all take off. And then, of course, this also leaves open range for Sydney. Yep. Uh, you gloss over two things I want to say. Okay. Uh, one is they have, like, when she's running up the steps away from Ghostface, she has a bicycle on the steps to throw at him. Who brings their bike to the second floor? <laughs> what? I wouldn't get so... If my roommates are like, hey, dude, that's your room. That's where your bike goes. You can't put it on the lawn or in the foyer. I'd be like, I'm not... 
lifting my bike up multiple steps because of you? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not doing that. So I always saw that so funny because she's like, plant. It's like, oh, there's a plant. And she's like, bike. I'm like, bike? <laughs> <laughs> just happens to be a random bike just sitting there on this. <laughs> the mountain bike on the steps. All right. And then uh, two actors. So we got uh, Rebecca Gayhart is one of the um, sorority sisters. And the other one, who I can't remember her name, but she plays the sister in Arrested Development. Maybe's mom. The Yeah, so. But she has this really ridiculous line that I love. And she comes up. The, and they're trying to, like, woo Sydney into coming into the sorority. So she goes, hi. No, I really mean that. Hi. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's such a really goofy Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and I just, I want to greet everybody like that. Hi. No, I really mean that. Hi. <laughs> Hi. It's like Hi. she doesn't know what to say, so it's like... Hi. hi. I really mean no, that, by the way. No, but, not sarcastically uh, high like the rest I, of these people. But no, I'm actually trying to greet you. <laughs> right. What? And I really, even though it's like a goofball thing that she says, but it's also very fitting for the character because she's trying to make herself known that she's not the stuck-up bitches like, yeah. like like the other sorority sisters are. And, so and <laughs> then they're gone out of the movie. <laughs> you know, right. like, like, <laughs> There's a lot of one-act characters in this movie. <laughs> Definitely. And then, of course, after that winds up happening, then we actually have the face-off against Ghostface and Sydney. And then Sydney winds up uh, winds up scraping the killer's arm. And then, of course, that's when, of course, her boyfriend has the same scars that she that he winds up having. And then, of course, they actually do the, try to do the misdirection of the mm -hmm. fact that it's actually Derek that's the killer. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And of course, you know, there, my first thought when I saw the movie, I'm like, it might be Derek. It may not be Derek. I didn't know who it could could be at doing, that time. Doing the boyfriend thing twice. Come on. Like, like I would be I would be like, what? Everyone she dates is like a psycho killer. <laughs> right. Uh, no, there's there's a lot I like about that. And uh Jerry O'Connell gives a is a gives a great performance in in sp specifically this scene because he can tell that he's being questioned and it wasn't supposed to you know he's just in the hospital and they're talking to him and then when he realizes he's a suspect he drops like you can just see his whole demeanor change he's like what what do you mean by that yeah it's a coincidence what do you mean but like he's immediately like I'm innocent what are you doing and I love his performance in that scene it's really right and then this is of course after this happens. They're taken over to the uh, police station. That's when, of course, uh, when you have Gail and also Dewey realizing that Omar Epps' character and Jada Pickett's Pitt's, uh, Pitt's uh, character is, of course, is connected in with Woodsboro. And they're actually being a copycat out there. And that was something that, that was actually pretty cool about how they actually have the names. Yeah. That it's Point Marine up. and the Marine Prescott, and then CC was actually Casey, as in Casey Becker, Beckett, or whatever her name is, from the from Drew Barrymore's character. So he's like, but also, how painstakingly hard would that have been for Mickey to be like, okay, we want to do like a name thing? And then like over the phone, Mrs. Lewis is like, yeah, do you know any Marines? <laughs> No. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, this dude at my film class is dating one. All right, this is what we do. Get them movie tickets. Hear me out. <laughs> like, wait, what? 
<laughs> bonkers plan. And I'm assuming Mickey gave them the tickets because he says I got it from a friend in film class. So Mickey right. must have gave them the tickets to get them there. And then he brings his x-ray goggles to see through a partition to kill him or whatever, however he did it. But yeah. But yeah, then also too, we also have that great scene that I liked was where it also feels very meta because of the fact that you have someone playing Sydney for the movie Stab. And then you also see Owen Wilson's brother, Luke Wilson, playing yeah. that part. I'm like, this looks so unfitting for this. Greasy Luke Wilson. Uh, also, she even says, like, oh, they probably cast Tori Spelling as me in the first one, and that's who they actually cast. It's so quick, but they say who played um, who played Dewey was David Schwimmer. You don't see it, but right. Randy says, and that has to just be a joke because Friends is already a thing, and Courtney Cox is with Schwimmer on Friends. So I'm assuming, because they also say Jennifer Aniston in a joke in this too, so there's like three jokes about Friends in this movie. And plus, Friends was also the most popular TV series at that time. So therefore, yeah. and of course, you have David Arquette and then Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox is, of course, the person who actually is starring in Friends. Yeah. But, you know, but I thought that was actually pretty cool how they mentioned they have like two references to Friends in this. <laughs> and then Brand Randy always mentions the rules now, but dealing mm -hmm. with, it, with it in the context of a sequel about yeah. who will survive and who won't survive and who's a suspect and who's not a suspect. And he goes, I could be a suspect, so we might as well just skip over to me. But then he winds up mentioning Mickey, and then he goes, you know what? Never mind. He may not even be the killer, because then if that's the case, then I'm also... Yep. That's, they, they go, you know, the crazy film, the student Mickey. And he's like, well, I'm a crazy film student, so never mind. And, and then I like that Dewey cancels all this out, because he's like, he's like, well, you are a suspect like well then if i'm one you are and he goes good point moving on and that's how they get away from mickey it's like this really contrived conversation and they're basically and, telling you who the killer is oh, absolutely and also making us second guess uh, maybe it's not mickey because of the fact that he'll be a suspect and dewey's a suspect and that is dewey's a suspect and randy's a suspect and i think it's close to around now but i'm getting the scenes jumbled up but sometime in the second act where we're at right now, um, freaking Mrs. Loomis or Debbie Salt, mm -hmm. as the local says, it's probably somebody from Woodsboro. She's from Woodsboro. Um, Woodsboro. She points herself out right in front of everybody. And I, I never caught that until this watch this morning. I'm like, oh, dang. I didn't catch that either. And it's like, this she's basically telling the audience hey look i'm from woodsboro and then just as we overlook it that's also how of course the characters actually overlook it it's like okay good for you good you have a speculation going on i'm happy for you well that might... she only hangs she only um introduces herself to the characters who she know won't recognize De uh, like gail weathers but doesn't like go talk to like stays away from Sydney because Sydney would recognize Billy's mother, even though right. she dropped 60 pounds and got her face done. She notices it right away when he see when she sees, but she thinks, well, Gail's not going to notice. So, and then she even points out, Hey, I talked, I, I went to one of your seminars and I kept asking questions in the front row. And then Gail goes, Oh, that's why I recognize you. So she gives her a fake memory so then if she's like, why is she recognizable? Oh, because she asked me questions or whatever. Not because she's from Woodsboro. Like, she covers up her tracks in this really cool way. Exactly. And then after that winds up happening, you actually have Randy who gets the call from Ghostface. And then, and of course, goes, hey, you're never going to catch me. And he goes, really? So what's up? What you been up to? What's your favorite <laughs> scary movie? And <laughs> of course, what's this up, is when Dewey says, keep them talking. And he goes, you know, you need to be better than OJ. You need and Dahmer. And he names off all kinds of different random serial. I, I love that he's like, oh, you're you're not gonna get into the big leagues like Dahmer, serial killer, Bundy, serial killer, OJ. And it's like OJ's not in that league. You know? <laughs> like, OJ like, like the most prolific serial killers and OJ. Like, well, come on, man. And let me tell you why I like this scene, though, is because of the fact that it's like how they do this thing where you're not going to give the killer the power that he has to scare you. 
and he's trying to take that power back, but it's only made for the hard trope of the main character. So because of that, he broke his own rule. So therefore, I'm thinking that's why he died. Yeah, that's definitely... Well, I know, he even says, I think he says, like, a legacy character has to go. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you, like, the fact that he's the last legacy character to go until the fifth one. Like, like they, they wait forever to kill another legacy character. You have to kill one in a sequel or else no one's going to take it. Like, you you can't just kill the new characters. So, uh, I, I, this is another scene or death I don't like because it's an off-camera and also his body looks bad. Like, it looks like he just, like, smothered him in ketchup until he died. Like, I'm sorry, but he just covered right. in ketchup. And, and it's this, it's Randy. I wish we would have actually saw the, ah, instead of just, like, through the mirror or whatever. Well, even James Kennedy said this. He goes, I wish that my death would have actually been seen rather than being so vague. Yeah. Because I actually have one on a YouTube channel that I follow. And yep. he, that's, he was talking about it. About how watched, very vague it was. I watched some of his YouTube stuff. I think just when he was talking about Scream. I care way more about Scream than I do of, of uh, Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> so. Same. I, I just, yeah. I'm just there for Randy. That's all I care about. I'm yeah. not here for anything else. Yeah. But, uh, so anyways, moving on. Then after that winds up happening, of course, Joel gets scared. And he gets scared that he will be targeted. And then, of course, he skips town. And, of course, that's when we talked about the fact that he wanted Wes Craven to have him in a taxi cab and get him killed. <laughs> How do you and want to I go out I w- in a cab? <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah, I love it. Because think of it like this. I mean, it's an easy way to lure somebody out of town and then kill him outside the state lines. Mm. So, But he, he doesn't die, though. He comes back at the end. Right. So, yeah, well, he makes it. He he broke it. He won. He won. This is the most successful serial or uh, uh, slasher character ever. <laughs> he left right. in the second act and came back after the third act. He's like, I, right. he just, everyone dies in the third act. I'll talk to you guys later. I guess you know what? You know, Gail might never be that bad. I think she might need a uh, cameraman since everybody survived. <laughs> since some people survived. I heard you guys got the killers. I'm I'm back. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's basically the guy who does the group project and get, tries to get the credit for it. Comes up with all the ideas, leaves, makes them do all the work, and comes back, and he's like, I did it all. Exactly. But then after that, um, we get the part where Joel hoping to spot the killer in the uh, vicinity of the crime scenes, but the killer winds up stabbing them. And then, of course, Dewey and the two officers drive Sydney and Haley to a safe house, but Ghostface intercepts the car and murders them. And his uh, suing struggle, Ghostface is knocked unconscious, but recovers. And they uh, crawl and kills over Haley. his body, which bothers me. <laughs> like, he's right there. Take his mask off. Look, what are you doing? And she has that thought afterwards. She's like, oh, I should go back and make sure he's out. It's like, no, you should have took it off, saw that it was Mickey, and then killed him. <laughs> For me, seeing that scene again... It, it creates tension for me because of the fact that, she, of course, we know that she's going to make it, but it's the whole point of you have to get through this obstacle in order for you to survive, and you're wondering if the killer is going to wind up finding a way to wake up and then kill her. So the suspense part works, but at the yeah. same time, you know, you need to remove that mask. It, yeah, so, sometimes horror movie rules blip into their heads. Like they're reaching for the mask and then they hear like, you cannot remove that. Oh, we can't remove that, guys. Like horror movie <laughs> gods stop them like having in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, then, uh, yeah. I, I wanted one more. I love the the dead body, the kill of the cop with the metal through his head and he's all twitching. Uh, it's just a really, there's a really good effect of the cop on the hood when he's stabbed through the head and his arms like going at it. That was that was my last thing. For that was a good kill, though. That yes. was actually <laughs> not that we condone killing, but yeah, that was a good kill. <laughs> it's our movies. It's the movies. Right. Right. When I say good kill, I'm saying good, good effect. Effects. Good. Good That's way it's filmed. It's good filmmaking. Not like <laughs> I love killing. <laughs> I can see people listening to this. What the fuck are they talking about? Good Just kill. Cut it out. Right. Yeah, but anyways, uh, so now we actually have the other thing that winds up happening in the theater, yeah. and 
you know, of course, you know, you have the uh, theater director telling Sydney, hey, look, you need to start act, acting and stuff like that. But then, of course, uh, this is where we wind up seeing this other scene being played out because that's already something that I wanted to talk about was this. Uh, so you see the drawn to the music playing in the campus theater, seeking safety. Sydney finds Derek in the auditorium tied to a cross from an earlier um, hazing ritual. Ghostface yeah. survived, revealing himself to be Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> two two things I love. Everybody forgets that Timothy Oliphant was a ghost face. Everybody does. No one remembers that. There's some really great ghost faces out there that no one gives any credit for. Timothy Oliphant, a Culkin. <laughs> Look, one of the Culkins was a ghost face. No one, no one ever talks about this. But, uh, but I, yeah, the weird uh for fraternity ritual of like he gave his greek letters to her and then they like the boy his frat boys tie him up and that's how he like ends up there so a weird set of coincidences but i also love uh mickey has the voice changer in the mask and it's the first time you ever hear the voice come out of a ghost face in person and he's like oh that's my partner over there and he's still saying it through Ghostface. And he takes it out and he takes the voice changer out of the mask. And I was like, that's cool. You know, like you blink and you miss it. But it's like this, like the killers are, you know, evolving and getting better at it. You know? Right. And that's something that I liked was the fact that they actually had the voice changer in the mask versus yeah. how it was in the very first movie. Because then now you actually have a way of selling costumes with that voice changer in the mask versus yeah. having to sell it separately. But yeah, yeah, I loved I loved that, though. And then, of course, you know, you wind up seeing uh mickey winds up shooting Derek, and then mickey intends to kill sydney allow himself to be arrested so he can be blamed uh so he can blame violence in movies for the murder at his trial but also too while that's going on you also have the confrontation between another ghost face and uh david arquette's character with uh with gail and dewey mm -hmm. and i love the soundproof idea of the uh, of it being so muted to the point where you can't hear anything and that's yeah. the most horrifying thing because basically Gail is trying to warn Dewey that there's a that Ghostface is behind him. And at that point, I'm like, I thought he was a goner. Whenever I remember seeing it in the theater, I'm like, did they kill Dewey? Because he's also a legendary character. Yeah, yeah. And and I I think he was in the scripts for both of these supposed to die, but they kept not. In the first one, they filmed it two ways they filmed one way where dewey is goes out and there's a cloth over his head and then that was how it was originally written and then wes craven goes oh why don't we do one with you alive just in case and he ended up going with it so he wasn't even supposed to survive the first movie they changed that in editing how crazy is that so uh, this one i think maybe at one there was all there was all kinds of scripts for this one because the scripts kept leaking so i think he was supposed to die in some endings and supposed to live in other ones. Right, because but, I remember yeah. when I did the trivia, they said that they actually did several different uh, scripts for it. Yeah, so, her, her roommate, was it Hallie? The, the, yeah. yeah, she was a killer in at least more than one of them. Yeah, so she was one of the killers. I don't know if she was a third or if it was like her instead of Mickey or whatever. But Right, and then, of course, you also have the local reporter, Debbie Salt, is then revealed to be the accomplice whom Sydney recognizes. Mother, yeah, I love how Mickey yells it out. Like, Billy's mother, like <laughs> he does the reveal, like it's a movie. <laughs> is it just me? Does Mickey look like Jack Nicholson in this movie? Because it does of have hair. that crazy nickel? Yeah, because of the weird like uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest hair, and he's got right. the crazy eyes. But I love, I love the. He's a crazy film student, and Randy's a crazy film student, and they both of them throughout the first the first movie, Randy, and then this one, him. But they do that like talking as if they are narrating a script, and they do that like, oh, and this is when the killer's gonna do this, and then he's like, and this is when I reveal my accomplice. And it's like he's narrating; he speaks in that Randy way, but you know, he's a a tall, murderous Randy. But I do like the film student. Like knowing he's in a movie type thing with him. Same here. And then I like, like you said, I like how he goes, Mrs. Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> and then 
Uh, but yeah, Mrs. Loomis attempts to manipulate Cotton into murdering Sydney, but to her shock, he chooses to shoot Mrs. Loomis in exchange for an interview with Sydney. This is all he wants. He just wants give Cotton his damn interview. It's Diane he Sawyer. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, what's his name? He's so good. Lee Shriver. Lee Shriver gives a great performance as Crazy Cotton. <laughs> hey, it's Diane Sawyer. Hello. He does that weird voice. But yeah. because even in the police office and everything, he just goes on ahead and confronts Sydney. Is like, hey, I I just want look, I just want my interview. <laughs> I'm gonna warn everybody that I'm an innocent man, and even though I keep acting really suspicious this whole movie, and then later he like walks up the to Gail and he's covered in blood randomly. He's like, oh, I just found Dewey, and I got this blood, and she's like. Okay, psychopath, I'll just go this way. And then she goes and tells Debbie, like, it's cotton. And Debbie Salt slash Mrs. Lewis has to be like, wow, wow, we're nailing this. <laughs> she just told me it's a completely different person to one of the ghost faces. Right? It's like, okay, we're totally nailing this. We're going to get away with this. <laughs> wow, this is working. We're going to do better than Billy and Stu right now at this moment. Plan that cotton was going to show up and act psycho in front of everybody. <laughs> But then, of course, Mickey suddenly resurfaces, but then is promptly and visually gunned down and killed by Gail and Sydney. Yep. And then shoots Mrs. Loomis in the head to ensure she is dead. When the police arrive, Dewey is revealed to still be alive and hanging in. Gail climbs in the ambulance with him rather than taking the opportunity to report to the return Joel. Character <laughs> growth. Yeah. In a game that she cares more for Dewey than the. Uh, Norari, she always sought. Sydney instructs the press to direct questions to Cotton, rewarding him with the fame he has been che- chasing for the whole entire I, hour and 15 minutes. Of I this love movie. that. I love when he's, she's like, you really want to talk to the real hero? And he's like, finally has a chance to talk. And instead he just hands out his business cards. And he's like, I would love to tell you for a price. <laughs> like he's like a swindler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. You get you get that money, Cotton. I'm on a side here. But uh, there was one other scene that we I forgot to mention, and it's not really that important, but what did you think of the whole entire scene where Derek is actually standing on the table doing Top Gun? I didn't want to talk about him singing the Partridge Family song. So that is actually, when it comes to ranking the screen movies, I got, like, number three down at the bottom, and, like, I don't know where I put five. I've only watched it the once in theaters. I remember really liking it, but I'm not going to rank that yet. And the only reason I put four over two, because I like both of them, because there isn't a bad movie in this franchise. Like, three's not good. But there isn't, like, a garbage movie in this whole franchise. There's a Three isn't good. But but the Partridge Family song, isn't that what life is mean? <laughs> and then, like, Mickey's, like, trying to orchestrate them and it's so dumb that knocks it under the fourth movie for me like i think i can ignore it and be fine with it and that's why i have this as my one and i have scream uh one as my number two and then i have uh four as in the well three in the bottom of the barrel yeah and then basically i have of course uh scream four Right next to Scream Two, and then Scream Five after that one. Yeah, but, three down at the bottom. I got number one at top. Like, I mean, I you can't you can't convince me. Number one is one of my favorite slashers. Period. It's actually iconic and it's something that I really enjoy. You have to watch it on Halloween to really oh, appreciate yeah. it even more. Uh, but, oh, Matthew Lillard as Stu Mocker is one of the best performances ever. And it's so over the top and he spits and yells his way throughout the whole movie. Live her alone! Like, it's so, it's so damn good that I, that movie, like, honestly, freaking Matthew Lillard pushes that up. up. He pushes the envelope. Oh, with yeah. This. So good. Yeah. So, you know, that's Scream 1. Let's get back okay. to it. So, so is that too. But... Here's the thing with me, though. It's going to be interesting on how I rewatch the fourth screen movie because that was the one I really didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. So maybe my viewing might actually be different than when I, when I saw it last time. So that's why I like doing these rewatches because of yeah. the fact that I know I'm not going to like three because it's like Batman and Robin for me in a sense. But 
I don't think it's that bad, but no, it definitely not, not as bad. But it's, it's like, like Batman Forever. It's getting there. It, it, right. It's starting to go. Ooh, what are we doing here, guys? Right. You're starting to get there. But yeah, all in all, this movie's a lot of fun to watch. I really, this is actually one of those ones that I have to go back and watch over and over again, just like the first screen movie. It just happens to be one of my favorite ones. Yeah, well, and I got nothing against people. Right. Actually, uh, Marie Wilson thinks the third one's her favorite, so I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong for thinking the second. Right. Second one's great. I can't get over the Partridge Family thing, and that's kind of it. But besides that, it's a really solid sequel, and I, I really enjoy this movie. And I like. I like the the ghost faces. Uh, they're probably my second favorite ghost faces too. So. Exactly. So that's going to be it as far as the review goes. But do you? I know you have a lot of stuff going on on your channel. So what do you have going on as far as your shows go? Well, on this Thursday, uh, I'm actually doing uh, the Geek Gauntlet, which is something I do about every other month. So I'm having a bunch of people, full panel, eight people. Uh, a lot of people from the Benverse, actually. We got uh, Don Tucker from Mul- uh, Multiverse of Geekdom, and then Soda from uh, uh, Schmoes of the North, and a bunch of people. And we run a 16-character tournament that I have written that's uh, geek people, and it goes all the way down. You know, I got, like, Terminator versus uh, Inspector Gadget. Or no, sorry, Robocop versus Inspector Gadget. And then I got, like... A bunch of different characters until you get to just one. So we have that on Thursday. And besides that, I got a lot of Star Wars lore coming out. So uh, um, uh, an evil Jedi or an evil hut Jedi lore video I got coming up and a bunch of other stuff of just digging into Star Wars lore. Nice. So, uh, something to talk about is the name of my channel, by the way. Okay. So yeah. you can actually find the links to his, uh, to Taco's uh, YouTube channel in the links below. So there you go, guys. Full lineups, going to check out Taco's show. And I just have to say, Taco puts on an awesome show. He has, and if you want to know Game of Thrones lore, check out, he's your guy to go to. Got a lot of those. (laughs) Spent a lot of hours talking about that on my channel. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Always until next time. Bye-bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.